from San Diego, California, it's the Frug Life Podcast with your host, Ricky Hershey. Welcome to the Frug Life. I've gotten some feedback lately that I should make longer and more detailed episodes. So here's my first attempt at this really getting into the details. While networking online, I get lots of invitations to different money-making methods. One of those methods is trading in Forex, which I will talk about in today's episode. It's the activity George Soros used to make a billion dollars, yes a billion, in the 90s. And yes, I'm talking about that George Soros. So if you want to learn about that, or you want to learn about this lucrative offer to trade Forex, keep listening. I will say this episode is more detailed and more focused on economics instead of frugality. I hope you enjoy. I've been getting lots of questions from people about Forex lately, and I wanted to talk about it a bit on the podcast. First, what is Forex? Forex is short for the foreign exchange market. In essence, it is a market where you trade different currency pairings. For example, you might engage in a USD and Japanese yen pairing. You make a position whether you think USD will go up or down relative to the yen. So there are five major currencies, US dollars, euros, Japanese yen, British pounds, and Swiss franc. But in addition to these five currencies and the different pairs you can get between them, you may be able to trade other pairs as well. It may just be more difficult and may have less trading volume. So why might you trade in Forex? Well, here's a great example. Let's say you're a computer manufacturer. You make computers in Vietnam and you sell them in the United States. You pay for labor in Vietnamese dung. Why did I pick a currency that's so hard to say? Anyways, for simplicity, let's say you buy your materials in Vietnamese currency as well, and your sales contracts are all in US dollars. Then let's say there's a significant fluctuation in the price of dung. Let's say the price of USD decreases substantially relative to the dung. Suddenly, all of the contracts you entered into are much less profitable than they were before. Perhaps the contracts didn't have much margin to start, and now you actually lose money. Let's give a super simple example. Let's say it costs about 10 bucks or 230,000 dung to make a computer part. Let's say you sell it for 11 bucks or 260,000 dung. Typically in business, when you sell to another business, you don't exchange cash on the day you sell the part. Instead, the other business has 30 days or 60 days or more to pay you back. It changes from business to business. And let's say, just in this hypothetical example, the US dollar decreases by 15% relative to the dung. The contract is $11 regardless of the exchange rate, but now that $11 is only worth 221,000 dung, whereas you spent 230 dung to make it. So the fluctuation in price in this specific example means instead of making 
the 30,000 dung you thought you were going to make, you lose 9,000. Okay, so this was just an oversimplified example, and a 15% change in exchange rate is potentially high. But just imagine, you can enter into contracts that last more than a year, and you can start to see a problem. If you are this company, you might want to enter into the Forex markets. Specifically, you may want to look at future contracts. Like I mentioned in a previous episode, that you can exchange currencies at a date in the future at a specified rate. And then you are protected from unexpected changes in the market as you have locked in a rate per the futures contract. So in essence, if you want to enter into a contract to buy or sell computer parts in a currency other than your own and lock in your profit today without worrying about how future currency prices are going to affect that contract, you can't. And it's a smart way to reduce your risk. Now, the, the purpose of this whole first segment is basically to say there are totally valid reasons to enter into the Forex market. But there's a few things to keep in mind now as an individual. If you are not a business, just an individual person, the Forex market is not like the stock market. In the U.S., stocks on average continue to increase in price. And that number changes based on who you're asking, but we can say 7% increase a year or so on average. But the Forex markets aren't like that. The Forex markets are a zero-sum game. Every time someone wins, someone else loses. Now, some people are using Forex as a hedge position, though. So their loss is made up with a gain somewhere else, and vice versa. In the sense, they lose money on the contract, they make money on the position they traded in, or they lose money on the position they traded in, and they make money on the contract. But in this zero-sum game, there are also trading fees. So engaging in Forex trades continually means on average you are likely to lose money. That's just how the game plays out. It's like going to a casino in a way. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but the house is set up so they have a better chance of winning, and in the long run, you're going to lose money. Some people claim that there are ways to predict trends in Forex and make money. There are even examples of this happening. George Soros, as I'm sure you've heard his name, made more than a billion dollars shorting the British pound in 1992. Now, I'm not an expert on what Soros did. I'm linking to another podcast below with some more details. But in essence, the British government started trying to control the price of the pound relative to the German mark. This is pre-euro. But the economics simply were not there. Governments cannot control prices. The free market controls prices. And when the government sets a price outside the free market price, problems ensue. Now let's look at an example, a simple example. Let's look at what happens in countries that try to control the price of gasoline. If the fair market price of gasoline is a dollar a gallon, but the government wants to set the price lower to 50 cents a gallon, then people from other countries can come buy the gas and then resell it in their own country and make money off of it. Suddenly, there are supply shortages because the demand at 50 cents a gallon is too great and the suppliers just don't have enough incentive to make more gas at that price. The country is trying to control the price of gas 
and now has less of it, causing the true price of gas to increase. This is essentially true with currencies as well. You can't just dictate a price. The markets have to decide it. So George Soros sold more and more pounds and got more and more marks. And the British Central Bank had to take action to maintain the price of the pound. In this case, they increased interest rates to attract more people to the pound and authorized the spending of billions of pounds to control the price decrease due to short sellers. And now when I was saying Soros was selling pounds, he was actually short selling the pounds, meaning he didn't actually have to own the pounds to sell them. I will talk about that more in just a second. But the British government couldn't control the price of the pound and they had to let the market take control. I do want to point out Soros's position still had risk. If he didn't generate enough pressure, if not enough people short sold the pound or were selling pounds, the price of the pound wouldn't have fallen, at least not at that time. In a way, this link between the pound and the mark couldn't hold long term. But you know, it's hard to know exactly when the house of cards will come tumbling down. And with short selling, you are borrowing something. You might have to pay interest. You may have to close your position because in the short term, the price went in the opposite direction. It's difficult to hold a short position for a long time. And so even though you know something is coming, you might not know exactly when. And you know, this is a problem I faced personally recently. As a little while ago, Tesla's stock price jumped up to like $900 a share. And while I personally thought Tesla couldn't maintain that price in the long term, I didn't know how long they would maintain it for. And so while I wanted to potentially short sell some Tesla at $900 a share, I just really didn't have a means to without exposing myself to more risk than I wanted. So even though Soros knew something was happening, there was still risk. But Soros's position paid off big time, more than a billion dollars. Today, I think market manipulation of currencies is less common. I don't think there are many opportunities like this today. Still, there are people who claim to know otherwise and will happily tell you how to trade in the market if you pay them. Now, typically, this isn't a great idea in my book, and let's talk about why. Let's say you have a strategy to make money in Forex or the stock market. You have a choice. You can implement the strategy, and if it's good, you will make money. Or instead, you can tell other people about the strategy, and they will make the money instead. So why would you tell people if you could just make the money yourself? Why would you want to sell it? There's really no reason in my book. If someone's trying to sell you specific stock picks and investments for short-term positions, I say run. If they were legit, they wouldn't want to sell this information in the first place. They would trade on it themselves and profit off of it. The last point I want to make is that the future is unknowable. You can't predict the future. I've been watching a little of the show Westworld lately, and there's this supercomputer, Rehoboam. And in the show, they do this thing that I hate, which is that they set the computer up to predict the stock market in the future, specifically for the next 15 minutes. And in the show, they even call the exercise purely mathematical. And it's just so dumb because predicting the stock market in this way is not purely mathematical, not in the slightest, especially in such a short 
time window. You know, it's actually easier to predict the stock market in the long run versus the short run. Because in the long run, we have a pretty good sense of what's going to happen. Stocks are going to go up. In the short run, they can do literally anything. Hey, editing Ricky here. Sorry, I misused the word literally. Sorry and oops. So the idea of picking stock or forex positions for super short term is ludicrous. It's not just math. There's a ton of psychology that goes into it. We think humans are rational beings, but sometimes they're not. But while irrationality, I think, can persist for a minute in the stock market, it doesn't necessarily or it doesn't often persist over long periods of time. So let's go back and recap. First, there are valid reasons to trade in Forex, mostly by companies with international operations. Although perhaps you are an individual that lives in one country and spends lots of money in another country, and maybe there's valid reasons for you too. Two, people have gotten rich with Forex, but there was market manipulation involved. Three, Forex is typically a zero-sum game, and four, people typically don't have an incentive to sell good trading advice. They can just execute it themselves and make the money themselves. So the next time somebody comes to you and tells you they want to sell you Forex signals, I say run away. And why don't you show them this podcast episode too? 